with their congregation, I would ask you to turn your prayerful attention there to the book of Second Kings. Second Kings and the second chapter, those words that I read to you in your hearing. I want to consider this evening under the theme, the healing of the waters of Jericho, and the significance of that in terms of Christ, as we will see, who heals his people, who heals his people's infirmities, who heals his people's real disease. There is a city here of Jericho that remained under a curse ever since the day of Joshua. Hundreds of years have passed. That city has been cursed. The waters have been cursed. And any man that builded up the gates of those cities, his offspring would be destroyed. Jericho really is a picture of man by nature. It was a Gentile city, a city of the Canaanites, the very first city that the people under Joshua destroyed when they came into the promised land. Now as we come to Second Kings chapter 2, let me just give a little background. The period in the life here of Israel is at a very low ebb. We know Elijah the prophet. He is taken up here in a whirlwind up to heaven. Taken up to be with God. Just like Enoch. One day he was and the next day he was not. For God, it says, translated him, took him to heaven. Well, Elijah is taken up. In the days of Elijah, there was a wicked king, wasn't there? Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Elijah ministered during very dark days, days of Baal worship. We know that Elijah was a prophet, we could say, one of warning of God's judgment. Remember the judgment that came upon the false prophets. Remember that there was a period of seven years of dearth. There was no rain. That was the judgment of God upon Israel at that time. It was a day of death. But then there is another prophet that comes on the scene. And this prophet, as we have read, asks for a double portion. Elijah was his instructor. The younger prophet Elisha now is is taking over from him. God has raised up another prophet. And thank the Lord he didn't leave the nation Israel to itself in its sins. Now Elijah really foreshadows John the Baptist in his ministry. He was rough, as it were, and uh, we could say ready. He was a rough man, and he preached judgment. Elisha was more of a refined man. In fact, he taught the school of the prophets and taught many of them. And in fact, if you study the miracles Elisha did, Twice as many miracles as Elijah. And he takes a simple cursory reading of God's word to discover that. Well, both of these men, Elijah and Elisha, ministered during very dark times, spiritually speaking, in the nation's history. Little truth was known. And we see even here after Elijah is taken up, 
that there are youths that call to this younger prophet, a bald man, go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. Now what does that mean? Well, Elijah has just gone up. It's not go up to Jerusalem. I suggest to you it's more get out of here. They didn't want the prophet. They didn't want him. And God sends two she-bears. Now I said that Elisha's ministry, and it's true to say, while Elijah's ministry was more a ministry of judgment, Elisha's ministry seems to be more a ministry of mercy. Now you say, well, in the first, we have two miracles here done by Elisha, don't we? It was a miracle that these 40 youths were destroyed because as he curled a curse, two she-bears came out of the woods and devoured these youths. That was a miracle. No man can do that. If I was to get out there in the parking lot and holler for the foxes or the bears, nothing would come out, would they? It was a miracle of God, showing that God was displeased with the nation. Now these youths may not, it's interesting the word, may not have all died. They were mauled. Maybe they did die, we don't know for sure. But it was a severe judgment, wasn't it? Upon these scoffing, mocking young people. And it reminds us, as Elisha begins his ministry, that God hasn't changed. While the ministry changes, God has not changed. God is a God of judgment. And God is not to be mocked. And neither are his preachers, neither are his ministers to be mocked. Now, we know from what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 15 verse 4, For whatsoever things are written aforetime are written for our learning, says the Apostle Paul, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. These things I trust I will be able to show you from Scripture, point us to Jesus Christ in a tremendous way. Because both of these prophets here speak of the coming Savior and the forerunner, John the Baptist, who would announce the Savior coming into the world. As I already said, Elijah very much pictures John the Baptist, the forerunner, announcing the coming Savior, who would perform miracles of mercy. We have a God of justice, don't we? But we also have a God of mercy. The second miracle in this passage is the healing of the waters of Jericho. It was a place of death up until now. Anybody that planted anything there just wouldn't live. It used to be a paradise. It was known as the city of palm trees, as we will see. It was a lush place. It was a glorious place in the days of Joshua when the people came into the promised land. But then remember what happened. As God sent his people Israel into the promised land, it was 
part of God's people coming into the promised land would be judgment upon the unbelieving, idol-worshipping Canaanites. And really, we must say, that's all of us by nature, isn't it? We're all, by nature, unbelieving, idol-worshipping Canaanites. We come into this world, quite frankly, worshipping everything else but God. Worshipping ourselves, worshipping people, worshipping football fans, celebrities, all kinds of things. But not the living God. Jericho was a place of great wealth and power. And it was pride before Almighty God. Remember how the people scoffed and mocked as Joshua and his people, the men with the ark in front of them blowing the trumpets, seven days marching around the city, scoffed and mocked the people of God. And on the seventh day, they marched around twice, and they probably thought these people are going to march themselves to death. But that was God's destruction, means of destruction, wasn't it? The walls then fell down immediately after that second march. And then the people of Israel went in and destroyed the city. And if you turn with me now just to that portion in Joshua 6, Joshua 6, verses 1 to 5, just a little historical background here this evening. As we consider the healing of the waters of Jericho, notice in verse 1, Joshua and the people have come out of Egypt now, and uh, They've crossed through the wilderness of sin, through Sinai, coming now to Jericho. Now Jericho was straightly shut up, verse 1, because of the children of Israel. Now none went out and none came in. So Israel has surrounded Jericho. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given to thine hand Jericho and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days, and seven, and the seven priests shall bear the ark, the seven trumpets of rams and horns, and the seventh day, see, seven days, ye shall compass the whole, the city Seven times, sorry, not twice, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And we know, of course, as we read on this happened, And the men of Israel went in and utterly laid waste the city. And all the idols were destroyed. But of course we know the sin of Achan. As he kept the idols. And we know there was the death of Achan. And God was dealing with Israel there saying, Do not have these idols of the Canaanites. But you come down to verse 26. And there is a solemn word given. 
Joshua 6.26, And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. Now notice, he shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn. That means at the cost of his firstborn. That man would lose his firstborn. And in his youngest, that is, at the cost of his youngest son, shall he set up the gates of it. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the city. Now, generally speaking, these large cities, they had gates to protect themselves from the enemy, but the people still lived there. But this solemn warning of Joshua, the people remembered, if if I build the gates, if I try to fortify it, if I try to strengthen it, I will lose my firstborn. And guess what? It was a man that tried to do this. It was a very sad day when that happened. A terrible day. Well, if you turn to 1 Kings 16, this man's name is Heel. 1 Kings 16, 34. This is during King Ahab's time when Elijah was prophet and now Elijah has gone to be with the Lord. There was one man during King Ahab's time that decided that he knew better than God, and he knew better than the people of God. The city was cursed. First Kings sixteen thirty four. In his days did heal the the Bethlehite build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof. Notice in that is at the cost of Abiram his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof in. That is, his youngest son, Sugub, he kept going. He lost the first son, and then he lost the second son, as if he didn't learn the lesson the first time. You see, the, the lesson is this, hundreds of years later, hundreds of years later, my friends, you go through the book of Judges. How long is the book of Judges? Hundreds of years. The point is, God is true to his promise. And you know what the word of God says? Cursed is the man that trusteth in man. There's no hope in man. But blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. And this is a picture of man by nature. This is a, originally a Gentile city, the first city, cursed. Now dear friends, the lesson is God always keeps his promises. You see, so that every detail, even given there in Joshua 6, verse 26, is now fulfilled. Hundreds of years later. And now it's during the time here of Elisha and Elijah. The Lord, in his mercy, decides to reverse the curse. And it is a picture, I believe. Jericho was a place of defiance, think of it. Defiance against the living God. And God came, and the walls fell down, their foundations. Of course, there was Rahab the harlot. She was spared, wasn't she? 
her house upon the wall of Jericho. But Jericho is a place of defiance, was a picture of sinners. Sinners by nature are defiant. And man tries to build up himself, fortify himself. But will man stand before God in the mighty day? You see, man tries to build up his life. Man tries to, as it were, make himself as a great fortified city. He builds his castle here on earth. He builds his life. You see, the building of Jericho and the blessing would only come through the Lord's mercy. The waters were cursed. Now, think of it. Water is an essential ingredient to life, isn't it? We can't live without water. We can't live without bread. We need the water. But the water here, nothing could grow really. Nothing would live. Nothing would last. The water of Jericho, as we read, was naught. Have a look, that's what it says. And the men of the city said to Elisha, after Elijah is taken up, and this is the first city, this is where Elijah, Elisha finds himself. This is an amazing thing. God has put him here. This is the first place of his ministry to heal these cursed people and accursed waters. Look, as Elisha there finds himself in this city, after the dividing of the waters, earlier the Jordan, and Elijah is taken up, verse 19, And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant. Jericho looked beautiful. They appealed to the prophet. Look how beautiful Jericho is. As my Lord seeth, they say to him. But notice, but the water is naught. It's interesting, the Hebrew word there is the word ra, which means dead. It, it's, it's not any good. It needed healing. The water is naught and the ground barren. And he said, bring me a new cruise. It's not as if there's no water here, but the water's really no good. Bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him, and he went forth unto the spring of the waters and cast the salt in there. You see, it was no good that Elisha just go to any part of the waters, but he had to go to the source, to the spring of it. And so it is with us. God needs to go to the very wellspring of our being, to our souls. I read, didn't I, from John there, how the Lord Jesus said, If any man come to me, out of his belly will flow living waters. But God has to do a supernatural work in us. He has to make us whole. And that is what Christ did. Elisha here had to make these waters pure, and it was made with salt. And you notice, he just said, go and get some salt, get a new cruise, and get salt. Pointing to the fact 
that the power was not in the salt. He didn't say go and get salt from a certain source. He said just get a new cruise and salt, proving that the power was of God. The power wasn't in the salt, but it was of God. And my friends, it's true. As we look at the city, we see it as a cursed city. Is this not a cursed world? And it is only Jesus Christ, my friend, that can deal with the very source of our problem. You know, the Bible pictures many, many, many times, I, I don't want to weary you, as people of this world, as waters, Isaiah says, the wicked are as the troubled sea that have no rest. We read in the book of the Revelation, the waters that thou hearest, these are the nations. Where is the mire stirring up? And we can get no rest. And here in Jericho, there was no life. And you see, it's true until the Lord Jesus who Elisha is foreshadowing, until he heals the waters. There's no life in this city. Nothing could grow. And it's true for your life, until the Lord deals with the source of your problem, and that's your soul. He makes the soul new, and the soul lives out of him. Did you know that in the Old Testament, that every sacrifice had to be Mixed with salt. I encourage you to read the book Salt of the Covenant by William Sykes, the first president of the Sovereign Grace Union. It's an excellent little book, and I encourage you to get it. It's a very good read. But every sacrifice had to be mixed with salt. Leviticus 2.13 And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God. It was called the salt of the covenant to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. You see, we are, even our best offerings, we are but, I could say this, we are but rotting flesh, aren't we? In and of ourselves, think of it. We are called by the Lord Jesus, if we are Christians, to be what? The salt of the earth. What does that mean? Salt is a preservative. Now, you see, it is the Lord that needs to purify. But salt also purifies, doesn't it? It has that effect. But here it is a supernatural. Just not, it wasn't just the salt and putting the salt there, but it was of the Lord. And it, my friend, if it's of the Lord, it's always blessed. You see, while there was a ministry here of judgment in the first miracle, the slaying of these 40 youths, and remember what the Lord Jesus said, all manner of sin shall be forgiven, but blasphemy of the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. Elijah was God's minister and pointing to Christ. Those who despise Christ will never have mercy. But you see, the men of this city here, 
They say, don't you see what a beautiful city Jericho is? In fact, as I said, it is called the city of palm trees. We're told that in Deuteronomy, the city of palm trees. It was a blessed place. It it was a glorious place, a lush place. And I suppose we could say that is how once man was before the fall. You think of the lush garden of Eden. If Eden was beautiful and glorious, and if man was the pinnacle of creation, and he was made in the image of God, when the Lord Jesus Christ saves us, my friends, he lifts us up out of the curse, takes us out of Adam, as it were, puts us into Christ. And what does God do? We read there in John 7 that Jesus spake of his spirit that will pour forth out of men. That's what we're told. He spake of his spirit. And when God saves you, my dear friends, you have the spirit of Christ. Whoever in Christ is in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jericho now would become a marvelous place. Did you know Jericho exists today? Did you know that? It's a very small population, but it's still there. And I think that is a miracle in itself. It's called probably the oldest city in all of the world. Kept by God. Well, we don't know if it is, but it's certainly a very, 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 very old city, isn't it? Some people say it is the oldest city. We don't know that. But it it is a miracle that it is there. It goes by the name of Ariha today, the city of Jericho. And you can visit it if you you so wish. It's uh, a military district of Palestine even today. And I could give you more details on that, but it's such an interesting thing, isn't it? But here's the point. The soul who the Lord restores to himself. That's why we sang Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He restoreth my soul. My friend, you see, when God saves you, he saves you to a new life, new desires. And surely now you can imagine the city now wants to give glory to God. The city that was impoverished of life for so long. And the Christian, when he is saved, he says, you know, I never had life before. But he can say, you know, it's true what the Lord Jesus said. He said, and I am come to give them life and life in abundance. Remember the woman at the well. He said to her, he said, the water I give thee, you will never thirst again. She had five husbands, and the man she was with now was not her husband. And she said, come see a man that told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? You see, only God can change a whole city. 
accursed city. It was accursed city. Any man that tried to build it, and my friend, let me say this, if you try to fix up your life, it'll only end up in a curse. Because you can't fix it. Only God can restore your soul. Only God, your creator, can make you anew. When you become a Christian, you cast all yourself upon God. And you know, many would have said, thinking, perhaps living in the city, what on earth is this prophet doing? You can imagine some of the rumors around. He can't do anything. The city for years has sat in ruins. Men have tried to, to build the gates. They've been destroyed. They lost their sons. There may be other men that we don't know, but nobody ever dared. Nobody could grow anything. Nothing would last. There's no life there. What a picture of us by nature. But you know, friends, when we are the Lord's, And again, you can imagine some of these men in the city thinking, what on earth is this prophet going to do with some salt and a cruise? What's he going to do? Can he do anything? It might have seemed very foolish to some. But it was the power and the wisdom of God. And Jesus Christ is the power and the wisdom of God to salvation to all of his people. The cross is foolishness to them that perish. But to them that are being saved, it is the power and it is the wisdom of Almighty God. We look and we live. We look at a man who lived for us and who died for us. And we know we have pardon with God. And that man changes our lives. That man changes everything. Elisha changed everything by the power of God that day in that city and brought joy and happiness and you know I have no doubt that people lived in great appreciation from that day forward of this tremendous miracle now what a lesson here tremendous isn't it look at verse 21 and he went forth unto the spring of the waters and cast the salt in there. Again, no inherent power in the salt, just ordinary salt, an ordinary cruise, but it was according to the commandment of God. And my dear friends, it is according to the commandment of God that he would save wretched sinners out of this cursed world by his dear son. God commanded it before he even framed the world that he would save his people by one man, Christ Jesus, the God-man, who became a curse, who was cursed. That's what Paul says. He took the curse. Cursed is any man that hangeth upon a tree. And Christ was cursed. He knew no sin became sin for us. You see, this is rather a simple way, we could say, of the city being healed of these waters that were death waters, we could say. Here in England, some years ago, you know, they had the lead problem in the waters, lead pipes, and there was the lead poisoning. Nobody knew exactly what the problem was. 
But we do know what the real problem of the human heart is, you see. It's the soul, isn't it? That's the source. That's the source of our problem. But God can only deal with our source through the God-man Christ Jesus. Because he becomes the substitute for his people. He takes the curse. There was no curse taken here. But the curse was taken away, wasn't it? That's the difference. Christ took away the curse of his people. He took away the handwriting that was against his people. And therefore now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he puts his spirit into their hearts, Galatians 4. Because ye are sons of God, he hath sent forth his spirit into your hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. My dear friends, being a Christian is a wonderful thing. It's a tremendous thing. Because God turns the curse of a cursed life, a life that is lived for self, to a life now lived for him. That's how we now live. Jericho will now live to the glory of God. A place cursed for so long. And they will no doubt be in remembrance. And let me say, you can go to Jericho. And as far as I know, the water's good there today. You can drink it. We're told here that it was all taken away. Before, for hundreds of years, there was no way of life there, real life. Let me say this, you should know Psalm 46. If you don't, and if you're Christians, you ought to know it. It says there in Psalm 46, verse 4, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. God's people are described as a city, and Christ is the river. He is called the water of what? Life. He gives life. Remember what he said to the woman at the well. The water that I give thee. Yes. The water that I give thee. What does he say? I read there from John 4. The woman. The Lord speaking to her. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, well, he knew it. I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saist thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Well, we know he's more than a prophet, isn't he? Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what ye know, what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father seeketh such to worship him, for God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But earlier he says, concerning this water, verse 13, And Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water 
shall thirst again. Speaking of the water there of Jacob's well, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You see, he is that river, that river of life. The one who gives life, real life, my friend. He restores our souls. See, the woman that committed adultery, he said, go and sin no more. He has the power. She was about to be condemned, but he said, go and sin no more. He commands it, and it is done. God commanded that this curse be removed, and it was done. And those who hear the word and receive it, God will do a work in them. You leave the rest to God. Your part is to obey him. She went away and sinned. No more in the lifestyle she did. I'm sure she was still a sinner, but not the way she was. She was changed. And when God changes us, friends, it is forever. Has the Lord indeed taken our curse? If that's the case, there's life. As there was life in Jericho once again, you will see signs of life in your life. Are you looking for life? Look for the fruits. Look for the fruits. What are they? Is there love to God? Are you thankful for him sending his only begotten son into this world? Do you love the brethren? Do you love God's people? Do you love his day? Do you love to hear his word? Is your heart enamored by the truth? Does your heart go out to God? Would you be in any other place than this? These, my dear friends, are the signs of life. May God be pleased to bring life to many. and Turn the curse that was in Adam to a blessing to you in Jesus Christ. Amen.